Every word you've ever spoken has been recorded, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. When written, such an idea was absurd. But now men, in their finite accomplishments in the digital world, capture much of the world's conversations in the cloud. Every deed you have ever done has been recorded, every single one. To the redeemed, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. To all, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 reads, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Sobering thoughts. Every idle word and every deed in which you and I have ever participated has been recorded, and we will have to give an account. Consider Psalms 53, 2 and 3. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. All of mankind is in need of a Savior, one who can erase all of our bad words and evil deeds. This Savior's name is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. By faith in His saving blood, all our past is washed away. We become, as Jesus appropriately calls it, born again, born a second time, this time by the Spirit of God. Then 1 John 1, 7 reads, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Imagine all your bad words and bad deeds erased, expunged, washed away as though you never committed them. Have you been born again? Will today be your brand new beginning? Come on in. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Man said, according to Charles Darwin, I can indeed hardly see how anyone ought to wish Christianity to be true, for if so, the plain language of the text seems to show that the men who do not believe will be everlastingly punished, and this is a damnable doctrine. Now the record. Thought is highly convoluted in these last days, and confusion abounds. What is truth, and can I know it? Darwin is right in his assessment of the singularity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Consider these passages. John chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 1 John 4, verse 3, And every spirit 
that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Mark 16, 15 and 16, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus Christ is the truth, and truth knows no opinion. Truth has zero tolerance for all other contending positions. That is the very nature of truth. Two plus two equals four. And 3.99 just won't do. The Christian is commanded in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 823. They will once again contend for the faith and prove the full supernatural inerrancy of your Holy Bible. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the building up of the faith and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. The word science simply means knowledge. That being understood, then God is a scientist. God's handiwork is not magic, but is produced by wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. This is part four in the final installment of Things We Know to Be True. In the first three features, you read about how things have changed. Approximately 103 of the first 119 U.S. colleges were established by Christians to educate young people in the faith. Man's science is constantly changing. Evolutionist Gould lamented the absence of transitional forms, unreliability of radiometric dating. Ten-year-old lava rock from Mount St. Helens dated 350,000 years old, and minerals in the same sample dated to 2.8 million years. Water buffaloes become whales, or maybe the whale's beginning was from bears or giraffes or camels. Your cousin, the banana. 100 world premier scientists bought a full-page ad and challenged evolutionists. In 1998, astronomers detected radio signals from outer space. In 2015, they discovered that the signals came from a microwave oven on campus. Science fraud. National Geographic's chicken with a phony lizard tail. Over 200 vestigial structures in the human body are not vestigial anymore. And more, a whole lot more. This is the final feature in a now four-part series addressing Scientific American's challenge to the God of the Bible. Several positioning pages from the original feature follow. The deceivableness of unrighteousness is unashamedly ballyhooed in the November 2016 issue of Scientific American. The headline on the front cover reads, Five, five Scientific Facts That People Often Get Wrong. When you arrive at the multi-page feature inside, you find this headline, Five Things We Know to Be True, with a subhead, A Compendium of Irrefutable Facts for These Fact-Starved Times. A few sentences from the prelude follow. Scientific truths are always provisional at some level. We once believed that the continents were fixed on the surface of Earth. Now we know they move. We thought the universe was static. Now we know it's expanding. We thought margarine was healthier than butter. 
and that hormone replacement therapy was the right treatment for vast numbers of postmenopausal women. Women, excuse me, now we know better. End of quote. God said Manstead would just like to point out the few other things they've gotten wrong. Ramapithecus, Australopithecines, Peking man, Java man, Neanderthal man, Cro-Magnum man, Nebraska man, Piltdown man, Lucy, China's fake chicken lizard, rethink fossilization after soft tissue was discovered in dinosaur bones, and we should add raw milk, raw honey, whole wheat, olive oil, salt, eggs, circumcision, breastfeeding, the U.S. food pyramid, and so much more. Now back to the prelude in Scientific American. We ordinarily report on the latest advances in scientific and technological research, but we thought it appropriate to take a step back and discuss some of science's firmly established facts. There is essentially no debate among legitimate scientists about these truths, which are based on verifiable evidence, which have been accepted for decades, and which have only become more strongly established as new evidence continues to accumulate, end of quote. Pretty bold talk, don't you think? When the first of the five facts they present is the theory of evolution. Note, that's theory of evolution, not a fact by their own admission. An excellent book by Dr. Grant Jeffrey titled Creation records the following. Darwin himself was perplexed and very worried about the lack of fossil evidence, in his own words. Why, if species have descended from other species by fine gradations, do we not everywhere see innumerable transitional forms? Why is not all nature in confusion, instead of the species being, as we see them, well-defined? But as by this theory, innumerable transitional forms must have existed, why do we not find them embedded in countless numbers in the crust of the earth? He expressed his fears about his possible error in the following comments. I have asked myself whether I may not have devoted my life to a fantasy. I am ready to cry with vexation at my blindness and presumption. Darwin admitted, if it could be demonstrated, that any complex organism existed which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Darwin honestly believed these fossils would eventually be found in the thousands and prove his theory to be true beyond doubt. To date, though, every species discovered in the fossil record appears perfectly formed. Paleontologists have never discovered a fossil showing a partially formed species or a partially formed organ. Despite the fact that tens of thousands of scientists and millions of dedicated amateurs have been searching worldwide for this missing link fossils to support evolution, they have never found a single example. The late Dr. Stephen Jay Gould was an internationally respected professor of geology and paleontology at Harvard University. He was a strong, an eloquent supporter of evolution. However, he honestly admitted that the illustrations of evolutionary development found in the university textbooks and television documentaries are actually fictitious inventions of creative artists that do not accurately represent scientific facts. Professor Gould admitted that the claim of science textbooks that the fossil record supports evolution is false. He says, all paleontologists know that the fossil record contains precious little in the way of intermediate forms. 
transitions between major groups are characteristically abrupt. In other words, Dr. Gould admitted that the fossil record does not actually support the theory of gradual evolution, something that creationists have been claiming for many years. The new punctuated equilibrium theory states that evolution proceeded in a rapid jump that left no fossil evidence, followed by long periods with no change. Professor Gould also wrote, The advent of the theory of punctuated equilibrium and the associated publicity it has generated have meant that for the first time, biologists with little knowledge of paleontology have become aware of the absence of transitional forms, end of quotes. The lead article in Five Things We Know to Be True is authored by Michael Shermer. Speaking of the theory of evolution, Shermer writes, But it doesn't take a rocket scientist or an English naturalist to understand why a theory on the origin of species by means of natural selection would be so controversial. If new species are created naturally, not supernaturally, what place then for God? No wonder that more than a century and a half later, people of some religious faith still find the theory so terribly threatening. But in those intervening years, scientists have found so much evidence in support of the theory that it would be truly astonishing if it turned out not to be true, as shocking as if the germ theory of disease fell apart or if astrophysicists were forced to abandon the Big Bang model of the universe. End of quote. The lead feature in Scientific American's Things We Know to Be True does not discuss truths at all, just one theory stacked upon another theory, and they are all built on the sinking sand of unbelief, the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Mr. Shermer's truths, again, are not scientific facts and include popular theories such as the Big Bang and population genetics. In regard to population genetics, the scriptures are clear. The evolutionists are in the right hemisphere, but several hundred miles off the mark. Human migration in the second beginning, after the global flood, begins at the foot of Mount Ararat, Genesis chapter 8, and greatly accelerated at Babel, uh, see that in Genesis chapter 11, where the languages of mankind were confounded, causing the people to scatter to form the world's nationalities. Dr. Andrew Snelling, in his book Earth's Catastrophic Past, Volume 2, quotes Mr. Chown, who defined the Big Bang. Fifteen billion years ago, a universe erupted out of nothing in a titanic explosion that we now call the Big Bang. Everything, all matter, energy, even space and time, came into being at that instant. Ever since, the stuff of the universe has been expanding and cooling. In the earliest moments of the Big Bang, the universe occupied a tiny volume and was unimaginably hot. It was a blistering fireball of radiation, mixed with microscopic particles of matter, but eventually the universe cooled enough for atoms to form. Gradually, these clumped together under gravity to make billions of galaxies, gray islands of stars, of which our own galaxy, the Milky Way, is but one. End of quote. Almost sounds like Mr. Chown was there, doesn't it? Dr. Snelling continues regarding the constant state of flux cosmology finds itself in. He quotes Lindy in Scientific American from over 20 years ago, and believe me, the situation has not changed. The credentials of the Big Bang continue to be challenged. Lindy writes, The evolution of inflationary theory has given rise to a completely new cosmological paradigm which differs considerably from the old Big Bang theory 
and even from the first versions of the inflationary scenario. In it, the universe appears to be both chaotic and homogenous, expanding and stationary. Our cosmic home grows, fluctuates, and eternally reproduces itself in all possible forms as if adjusting itself for all possible types of life that it can support. End of quote. Arp, Burbridge, Hoyle, Narlaker, and Wickramsinki are quoted from the publication Nature. Cosmology is unique in science in that it is a very large intellectual edifice based on very few facts. The strong tendency is to replace a need for more facts by conformity, which is accorded the dubious role of supplying the element of certainty in people's minds that properly should only belong to science with far more extensive observational support. End of quote. The following excerpt is from the God Said, Man Said feature past finding out. The following quote is found in Aerospace America in the article titled, Kobe Confounds the Cosmologist by Eric Lerner. Theorists hoped that these traces would be detected by the sensitive instruments of Kobe, Cosmic Background Explorer, a satellite launched last November by NASA. To their surprise, however, the preliminary data from Kobe announced in January show none of these hypothetical, or hypothetical relics of past explosions. There now seems no way to reconcile the predictions of any version of the Big Bang with the re reality of the universe that we observe. No way to get from the perfectly smooth Big Bang to the imperfect lumpy universe we see today. As one Kobe scientist, George Smoot of the University of California at Berkeley put it, using the forces we now know, we can't make the universe we now know. Esteemed mathematicians Sir Fred Hoyle and Chandra Wickramsinki co-authored the Simon & Schuster book, Evolution from Space, in which we found the following quote. The likelihood of the spontaneous formation of life from inanimate matter is one to a number with 40,000 knots after it. It is big enough to bury Darwin in the whole theory of evolution. There was no primeval soup neither on this planet nor any other, and if the beginning of life was not random, they must therefore have been the product of purposeful intelligence. God said, man said, big bang, just another chicken lizard. Man seeks to find another way, void of the God of accountability and judgment. They construct sophisticated foolishness to house their unbelief. One excellent example is the much vaunted theory of the big bang. In the June 2014 Discover magazine feature Noise, Jonathan Keats writes, Astronomer Fred Hoyle coined the term Big Bang in the 50s, not because he thought it was noisy, but because he thought the theory was ridiculous, end of quote. If you are reading today's science publications, you'll find the theory of Big Bang prominently displayed in the May 2014 issue of Smithsonian, the headline to their five-page feature reads, Listening to the Big Bang, with its subhead, A remote telescope finds support for a revolutionary theory about the formation of the universe. After the unredeemed discuss the theory of the Big Bang long enough and have convinced themselves of this foolishness, the word theory is omitted from the conversation. This short paragraph from the April 2014 issue of Scientific American displays this reality. It reads, 
about 13.8 billion years ago, just 400,000 years or so after the Big Bang, the universe abruptly went dark. End of quote. Did God create the earth and its universe in six literal 24-hour days just over 6,000 years ago? Or did we explode into existence, the Big Bang, from basically nothing billions of years ago? The headline in the September 2014 issue of Acts and Facts, written by Dr. J. Herbert, reads, Another Big Bang Blunder. The entire feature follows. 2014 has been a rough year for the supporters of the Big Bang model. In March, the BICEP2 radio astronomy team announced purported direct evidence for inflation, which is an integral part of the Big Bang model. The media loudly trumpeted this as a smoking gun evidence for the Big Bang, and some Christians eagerly but uncritically accepted the claim. Years ago, inflation was tacked on to the original Big Bang model in order to save it from serious difficulties. Secular cosmologists believe these problems could be solved by postulating that the universe went through a period of inflation and extremely rapid growth spurt early in its history. Over time, inflation theory became increasingly bizarre, leading to the idea of a vast multiverse composed of infinite many pockets or bubble universes. Many secular scientists love the multiverse idea. If these predicted universes really did exist, then surely some of them, they argued, would have physical laws allowing the spontaneous generation of life from non-living chemicals. Hence, they claimed that a creator was not needed to explain our existence. We earthlings simply got lucky and happened to live in a universe whose physical laws permitted spontaneous generation and goo-to-you evolution. Of course, there is no evidence for the existence of these other supposed universes, and this uh, argument conveniently ignores the fact that spontaneous generation appears to be physically impossible. So even if these other universes did exist, and even, even if they all had extraordinary laws of physics permitting spontaneous generation, this would still do nothing to explain the origin of life in our universe. At the time of the BICEP2 announcement, the Institute for Creation Research pointed out difficulties with the claim and reminded Christians that secular scientists have often made dramatic announcements of alleged proofs for evolutions, proofs which were later quietly walked back by secular scientists themselves. This alleged smoking gun was no exception. A mere two months after the dramatic announcement, even secular scientists were expressing doubts about the claim. By early June, the discovery had been discredited by two independent studies. One prominent theoretical physicist even called it a Big Bang blunder and noted that the BICEP2 researchers made their dramatic announcement to the world before their paper had even been peer-reviewed by qualified scientists. This was a serious breach of scientific ethics and protocol. Worse yet, researchers from King's College London are now claiming that accepting the BICEP2 results as legitimate would imply that the universe should have collapsed back in on itself shortly after the Big Bang so that our universe should not even exist. End of quote. Science writer Brian Thomas wrote in the November 2016 issue of Acts and Facts concerning the Big Bang. First, solid science refutes Big Bang models. That's why the models keep changing 
and why hundreds of secular physicists signed a public cosmology statement explaining that they reject it because it uses too many fudge factors to work around its many problems. For example, in order for a Big Bang to conform to the laws of physics, it would have generated equal amounts of matter and antimatter. But the antimatter is almost all missing from the visible universe. The incredible sameness of the infrared temperature of distant space also confounds the Big Bang. Some regions of the early universe were supposedly much hotter than others. The hot spots would admit light that carries heat to the cold spots. How long would it take the hot spots and the cold spots to reach the same infrared temperature we see today? Far too long for the Big Bang. Hot and cold spots that lie on opposite sides of the visible universe are simply too far apart to have reached their observed sameness even after 13.8 billion years, end of quotes. The nature of man's truth is ever-changing and peppered with his opinions. After much speaking, his theories become his truth. The October 29, 2016 issue of Science News has a feature concerning the proposed Big Bang under the heading, Shock Waves Rocked Baby Universe. In this short eight-paragraph feature, you'll find three mays, as in maybe, six coulds, as in could be, two theorized, two ifs, uh, one assumption, one new wrinkle, one believe, and one unexplained. Five things we know to be true scientific American. There is one thing the children of faith know to be true, and that is the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalms 19.19, those who embrace this holy book written thousands of years ago will never be ashamed to say, Jesus is the Lord of glory. God said, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Man said, according to Charles Darwin, I can indeed hardly see how anyone ought to wish Christianity to be true. For if so, the plain language of the text seems to show that the men who do not believe will be everlastingly punished, and this is a damnable doctrine. Now you have the record.